My desire is to uh, get over to verse 33. <laughs> That's what I've been trying to get to uh, these last several weeks, but I can't get to there because there's so much stuff in front of it. So we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. But we're, we're right now, this morning, we're going to be going back to verse number 19 through verse number 24. We looked last week, verse number 19 through verse number 21, and what the Scripture here tells us concerning setting up or laying up treasures in heaven and not on this earth. This, this teaching the Lord gives us here in regards to the reality of uh, this world being temporary as it is, uh, and, and truly we don't see the temporary nature of it until we have lived some time in this world, and the, the closer we draw to the end of our lives, physically speaking, as we grow older and older and older, the, the closer we draw to the end of our lives, the more we recognize, where did it go? How fast, what a vapor, as the Scripture tells us, our life, our time here, here is. And the reality is, life is extremely short, extremely short. And, and it may feel, especially when we're young, I mean, I can remember when I was a, a young kid thinking, man, I can't wait till I'm 16 and I can drive, you know. And it felt like it was never going to get there, right? And it, and and even 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 closer than that, every every year we'd be thinking, man, when is Saturday going to get here? It takes forever for Saturday. Hey, when I was little, that was Cartoon Day, and that's what we called it. Cartoon. When's Cartoon Day going to get here? You know. And it felt like it was forever. Now a week goes by, and we're what happened to it? You know. Years go by, and what happened to it? Time is very, very short. And, and the Lord teaches us here, He reminds us that in, in this reality, in this world that we live in, this is extremely temporary. And if we're laying up our treasures here, they're not going to do us any good. They, because first of all, it's temporary. It's not going to last. But secondly, it's it's not going with us. It's going to it's going to stay here. If there's any left of it, it's going to stay here. And if if and what is here, it's he gives us the the record here of it being moth eaten and stolen and rusting. It just don't last. It's those things that we lay up in eternity that last. It's those things that are eternal. And in reality, that's what we are looking for as the children of God. It's not tomorrow. It's not next week. It's not next month. It's not next year for the child of God. For the child of God, it is the presence of the Lord. It is eternity. That's, that's what we are living for. At least that's what we should be living for. Is that which is eternal. And so this is what our Lord teaches us here. But then He goes on to tell us here in the latter part of this section. It begins verse 21. He says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. 
verse 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. But then listen to what he says here, verse 22. The light... The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Another point here I want us to see in this passage today is the grip that sin has on us. The grit that sin has on us. Even the children of God. We see this practical teaching here of the Lord and we, we think, you know, that's, that's not who I am. I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. This Really, does this have an application to me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're still in this world. We're still in this flesh. We're still struggling with these same realities. We are constantly being attacked by Satan, constantly being attacked by this world. The very, our, our very souls are being sought after by Satan and his forces. But we, and we find ourselves because of this grip of sin, we often are conquered in these attacks. Find ourselves wallowing around in them even. Because sin is a terrible power and has a tight grip on man. Including the children of God. It's the reason the scripture tells us over and over again we have to die Daily to ourselves. We have to reckon this flesh dead and live in that new man that we have in Christ. Sin disturbs and affects the whole being of man. Man is a three part being. The scripture teaches us that. There is what is called the trichotomy of man. We are three parts. Body, soul, and spirit. That's how God made us. Body, soul, and spirit. The highest part of this being the spirit. That's the part that God breathed into Adam there. As we've been studying there in, in Genesis chapter 2. When He made man, He molded him of the dust of the ground. That's 
the body He breathed into His nostrils the, the breath of life. That's the Spirit there. Man became a, a living soul there by that work that God accomplished. The highest part of us is that Spirit. That Spirit nature of us. Next we have the soul and last the body. And man is given a mind... Man is given a mind to understand, a heart to feel, and a will to choose. But man is to be governed by his understanding. We're to be governed by our understanding. The mind is to influence the heart and the will. What we know, what we know is to be the controlling force in these three parts. What we know, that's what is to guard our hearts and, and our, our, our bodies, our will rather. Uh, it, it's, it's what we know, what we understand by the mind God has given us. The problem is, because of sin, sin corrupts, and it corrupts all the parts of man. All the parts. It, it, it corrupts the, the body and the soul and the spirit. Sin corrupts the, the mind, the heart, and the will. It corrupts. It's a destructive force. And so because of the corruption of sin in man, sin will put the heart foremost. Sin will put the feeling above everything else. And very easily, even the children of God, we, it, 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 that doesn't change from children of God in comparison with the world. It doesn't change that reality. The reality is our hearts have to be guarded against at all times. We, we have to choose to direct our hearts. We cannot let our hearts direct us. Because the Scripture teaches us our hearts are desperately wicked. Desperately wicked. He even goes on to say, who can know them? The reality is we, we don't even know our own hearts. You hear people all the time, that aggravates me to death. I can't stand that statement. Oh, just follow your heart. You better not. You better, it'll get you in trouble every single time. The reason God has given us a mind. Our, our minds are to guide our feelings and our emotions. But sin, it puts the heart on that first level. And we see here as the Lord gives us this direction here, He shows us this. And he begins there, verse 19 and verse number 21, he begins to describe here our hearts. 
Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. And then he says, verse 21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So he speaks to the heart. Then he goes to the mind, verse 22 and verse 23. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. He's speaking here being single-minded and double-minded is what he's speaking to. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. So they're speaking of our minds. Then verse 24, he speaks to the will. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Worldliness can easily master and control every part of us. Sin can, can disrupt our whole being. If it's given a place in us. Because of sin, man is not governed by his mind, but rather by his desires, by his affections, and by his lust. And even the understanding of man, that which is to lead our hearts and our will, even our understanding, is corrupted. And warped by sin. Look with me. Hold your place here. Go back over to John chapter 3. Verse number 19. You probably know this verse well. Maybe quoted it many times. As the Lord is speaking to Nicodemus here by night in the garden. Declaring to him the need of the new birth. The need of salvation. John chapter 3 verse 19. Listen to what he says here. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Loved darkness rather than light. The condemnation, he said, is come into this world. And man, with his heart, loved darkness. You hear those that claim because of their intellect and their thinking, because of the things they know, that they don't believe the truth of God. They don't believe in Christ Jesus. They have, they have risen above all those old world thinkings. And, and now because of of the, the logic and the knowledge that they have, they have risen above all of that, and they are they don't need that old stuff anymore, and they they think differently, they think better, they don't believe. I hear that often in our world today. The truth is they're being governed by their prejudices. They're being governed by their desires, they're being governed by their lust, and those all come from the heart. They want to claim it's their intellect, but in reality, they're following their heart. Psalm 14 and verse number 1. Psalm 14 and verse number 1. And we've seen this example 
over and over and over again in the Scriptures. We see it. The stories that are told to us. We see this example in our own world today. It doesn't take much to look around and see it. And it's a warning that is given to us here in Psalms. He gives it to us in a couple places here. In fact, in Psalm 14, verse 1, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There's none that doeth good. Psalm 54 I'm sorry, 53. Psalm 53. Verse 1. Psalm 53 and verse number 1. We see it again. The fool. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth. Good. David liked that phrase. He used it twice here, we said. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The unbeliever is always trying to find an intellectual reason to justify what his heart wants to say. It is the heart that covets these things. The heart in sinful man is so powerful that it governs his mind, his understanding, his intellect. It is his heart that he is following after. It is not his great knowledge. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Scripture tells us here that man's heart is blinded by sin. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 and 4. Paul says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Sin has blinded them to the truth. It's blinded them to the reality of who God is. It's blinded them to whom God is and His purpose for us. And it does this blinding of the mind through the heart. Through the heart. Sin blinds man to things that are perfectly obvious. As the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The smallest child knows there's a God. We're, we're born, we are born with that reality in us. We know this. It's part of the conscience that God has given us. Every person, I, I tell you, there is no real person that is an atheist. There is none. There is no atheist. Now, they may say so. 
And they may earnestly believe so as they speak it to you. But the reality is, in their hearts, they know themselves to be wrong. It's the reason that so many that you come across that claim atheism hate God so much. They despise the idea of Him. Because they know deep down He is. And they cannot get away from that truth. No matter how they try, no matter how they try to get away from that, they know deep down the truth that He is. But because of the blinding, because of the blinding of His mind by His heart, these things that are perfectly obvious, they're blinded too. So that man would believe the impossible before he would believe in God. I made mention to you before just a few weeks ago, in fact, as we were studying through Genesis 1 there concerning the creation and, and uh, the, the professor, I cannot remember the man's name, he was a professor of biology at Harvard University, he was the, the head of the biology department there. Uh, this has been a few years ago, about 25 years ago when he made this statement, but he made the statement there that uh, to his class, uh, in biology class, he's standing before them and he said, life cannot come into existence on its own. It's been proven over and over again. Louis Pasteur proved it. Sir Isaac Newton proved it. And he named two or three other scientists that through the years have proven that life cannot come into existence on its own. It's just not possible. There's no way. And he says, so, there only, that leaves only one possibility for life. That means an all-knowing, all-powerful creator God has brought life into existence. But, because I choose not to believe in God, I will believe in the impossible, he said. That's the blindness that sin brings to the mind of man. Those things that were, are obvious he cannot see. And the Lord uses the example here of worldly treasures. A, a simple fact. None of them continue. It's obvious. Yet people are jealous and envious and they will sacrifice everything they have to get more of those things in this life. They'll give up their character. They'll give up their integrity. They'll give up their families. They'll give up houses and lands. They'll give up other worldly things to get more worldly things. And they'll live for that. These things that will surely be lost. These things that will surely be left behind. Man cannot deny the facts. He knows the truth of them, but his heart blinds his mind so that he ignores the truth. We are blinded in this to the relative value of things. 
For example, time and eternity. There's no comparison between the two of those. Time and eternity. One is marked off. It ticks along. It had a beginning. It's going to have an ending. I don't know how long it's going to be. But God's already got it set. But eternity was before time ever came into existence. And eternity continues after time stops. It keeps going on. It's infinite. There's no beginning. There's no ending to it. And yet, man will live for time. He'll sell himself for time. He'll give everything for time and never consider eternity. Never even think about it as he goes through his day. Darkness and light is an example the Lord uses here. How wonderful. How wonderful is the light. The light of Christ Jesus. The light that we have in Him. The light of His life given for us. The the wonder of, of the knowledge of Him. And yet man loves darkness. He loves in his heart being alienated from God. Or the difference between man and God. No comparison at all. But man will readily ignore God and serve self. For what? For what? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Even God's people, even God's people can and do the same. We forget, we deny who we are, And we can follow after the most wicked of darkness in sin if it is given place in our lives. We have to constantly battle because sin, sin has such a grip. And we have to constantly battle. We have to die to ourselves daily holding on to our Lord because it is only in Him that we have the strength to stand. It is only in Him that we have the strength to do. It is only in Him that we are able to do. Without me, the Lord said, without me, ye can do nothing. You know what He means? Nothing. (laughs) You know what thing He left out? Nothing. We have to have Him for everything. Yeah. 
Sin makes man a slave to things that were meant to serve him. That's what he says in verse 24. No man can serve two masters. For he will hate the one and love the other, or else he holds the one and despises the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Money. It's given to us as a tool. It's given to us to help us. We work for it. We use it. It's given to us that we might work in and among this society that we live in. It's a tool that's given to us to help us. And yet man can make himself slave to the very thing God's blessed him with to help him with. He can make himself slave to it. Man claims his things serve him, but he works to keep them. He fights to defend them. He wastes the joys of life to get more of them. Sin makes him servant to his lust. It makes him servant to his desires. And he will sacrifice himself to get more things. How horrible. How horrible is the bondage of sin. Sin ruins Man. Look at these verses. The Lord tells us here, having spent a lifetime laying up treasures on earth, man finds himself at the end with nothing. Stripped to nothing at all but his naked soul. Mark chapter number 8, verse number 36. Mark 8 and verse 36. For what, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall it profit a man? He shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. In Luke chapter number 16, we have an account here that many want to pass off as a parable. However, the, the difference is, uh, I don't believe at all that this is a parable. And for several reasons. First of all, it doesn't say it's a parable. In the parables, it says, and he taught them this parable. Uh, here, it doesn't say that. The Lord just gives them this story. Another difference is, in all the parables, uh, the people are unnamed. They are just a man, a householder. Uh, a vineyard keeper, his sons, whatever the case. It's, it's, it's an illustrative story and it uses generic folks to explain or tell the story in the parable. Here, there's a man named, possibly known even of those that the Lord is telling the story to. 
And he mentions here this rich man. He doesn't name him, uh, thankfully. Um, maybe for his family's sake. Uh, maybe so it wouldn't take our minds off the fact that, this, hey, this could apply to me as well. And then he mentions a man by the name of Lazarus. He says, there was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. It came to pass that the beggar died. He was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember, thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that they cannot, or they which would pass rather from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would ascend him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Did they? When Jesus came forth from the grave, did they? Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus came forth from the grave, did they? No, they sought to kill him. Verse 31, And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. This rich man who had laid up treasures upon earth. He fared sumptuously, the scripture says, every day. He enjoyed his riches. But they done no good. Done no good for him. When he entered eternity. Not only does he find ruin at the end of life, but then he discovers he was utterly wrong his entire life. 
In the bondage of sin, man rejects God. He laughs at religion. He laughs at those that reject His worldly view. He lives for the present. He lives for self. He believes that is rational because it worked for him in the past. And he does not see the darkness that he's engulfed in. He does not recognize his separation from the light. Truth must be received with understanding. And the Holy Spirit is the one that enables the mind to have that understanding. He is the one that opens our hearts and minds. He is the one that brings the light of Christ to us and shines in us that light that we would have that understanding given. That's what conversion is. That's what salvation is. is Him bringing that light to us and opening our eyes to see Christ Jesus as Lord. And in that, the mind is delivered from that darkness. Therefore, in verse 24, he says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. So if man has served mammon at death, He finds himself separated from God. John 3, verse number 36. John 3, verse 36. John writes for us here, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. The wrath of God abideth on him. The wrath of God abideth on him. All he lived for is gone. And he stands before a holy God condemned. Sin is a total loss. It might be fun in the moment. It might be exciting for a time. It might get us exactly what we think we want and exactly what we think we need. But it is always, always a total loss. Always a total loss. And it binds man that without Christ, not only is his sin a loss for him, but his whole being is a loss for him. It is only in Christ that we live. It is only in Christ that we have salvation. 
It is only in Christ that we have eternal life. And it is only in Him that we can fix ourselves on eternity. You must have Jesus. You must have Him. Because it is only by Him that you live. Without Him, you are dead. The trespasses and sins. It is only in Christ that you live. Sin has an awful, awful bondage on the hearts of men. In Christ, In Christ, only in Christ, are we delivered from those restraints. Let's all stand. Brother Gordon, would you bring us a song?